Welcome to the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast, where we untangle the past, rewrite the present, and reclaim our future. I am your host, Tammy Vincent, and together we will break free from old patterns, heal wounds, and create new narratives. Are you ready to transform the effects of your dysfunctional past into your superpowers? Are you excited to get back in touch with your true authentic self? If so, then hit subscribe and join me weekly on the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast. Here we will learn from experts as well as experienced thrivers how to turn our trials into smiles while living our most authentic and joyful lives. Well, hello. How is everybody today? Glad to see you again. Today we have a great guest on here. Her name is Destiny Mackey. Um, She's a mental health coach and a speaker, and her life journey has been a testament to resilience, rising above a challenging upbringing marked by familial discord, witnessing her father's substance abuse and her mother's battle with cancer. Growing up as a young caregiver while striving for education, she experienced bullying and isolation, facing the depths of depression, anxiety, suicide, and an identity crisis. With nearly a decade of therapy, her transformative quarter-life crisis, birthday purpose, empowerment through public speaking. In 2023, Destiny champions those touched by adversity, offering a path to inner peace and healing. Welcome, Destiny. We sure need a little bit of you. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me today. I appreciate it. Great. So tell us, I mean, this is every single type of dysfunction that you could possibly experience all in one lifetime. the as you know the pod name of the podcast is is child of dysfunction and you have quite a few different things but tell us a little bit more about your story in the the big picture of it absolutely so it was very difficult growing up my parents had me when they were both 18 years old and so they didn't really know themselves they didn't have their own lives figured out but they were raising a child um but really the a lot of the dysfunction I started to be more aware of when I was about eight years old. Um, Around that time, my dad was battling a severe substance abuse issue. And at the same time, my mom was also diagnosed with uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and she was given a 30% chance of living. Mm -hmm. So at this time, you know, my mom was in the hospital basically on her deathbed at some points and my dad was dealing with substance abuse issues. And at the time, at at some point around there too, he ended up going to prison. So he was not even around to help my mom and I and what we were going through. So as a child, I was still going to school, trying to make friends, was being bullied at school by my peers. And, uh, you know, I had to come home, take care of my mom. I had to clean our house. I had to cook for us, you know, eight years old, I'm cooking for my family, cleaning the home, I'm trying to be happy and live my life. But it was just a very dysfunctional situation to be in. And, you know, a few years passed after that, my mom is luckily she overcame cancer. Mm. And she's still very healthy today, which is great. But there were a lot of dysfunctional things I experienced even after she was diagnosed as cancer free. Um, a lot of identity issues, a lot of insecurity issues, a lot of abandonment issues. There was so much that I have grown up with 
from my teenage years, even into adulthood that I've had to overcome because of everything that I went through. So that's that in a nutshell. <laughs> oh, I can't, I can't even imagine just the, just the mother being sick and having to take on those roles as the parent. I mean, that in itself is enough to just throw you into a whirlwind of, I don't know who I am, what my role is, how to have friends, how to go out and function in the real world, because I'm literally a parent at eight years old. Right. I actually remember myself getting stuck in my washing machine because I was too small to get the clothes out of the washing machine and kind of dug in and I was stuck and I remember crying and I remember thinking I'm too little to even be doing laundry. So, I mean, it's <laughs> like, if you don't think about it, like, Hey, you know, like, why don't they make these things for six year olds or seven year olds? Right. You, you don't think about it at the time, but you said you became aware at eight. Um, what was your, did you have an aha moment that you remember? I think it was more of, um, I don't know how to explain it. Like when you're a kid, you, you look at life with wonder and joy and imagination and fun. And I think eight years old, it was kind of like a, it was like a, whoa, you know, something serious is happening. And I still didn't fully understand how serious it was, but you know, when my mom, my mom pulled me aside one day and she told me, you know, she had cancer. And I think the moment was, um, she told me once, she was like, you can't go outside and play with the neighborhood kids. You have to stay in the house for basically, I think it was a few months straight and I can only go to school. And she said, you, you can't go outside, play with the neighborhood kids because you can't risk getting me sick because I could die. And, um, she said it in a, in a nicer way, but that was essentially the message she, she gave to me. And she also said that, you know, she was going to be sleeping a lot and I had to check up on her every few hours to make sure that she was still breathing. And, you know, as an eight-year-old, you're just like, oh, you know, like, wow, that's really serious. But it was also kind of hard to understand how serious it really was, you know, because you're well, still eight so young. Yeah, eight years old, you don't understand that. You don't understand death. You don't understand why. You don't, you don't, there's got to be so many questions. And you said your father was struggling his own demons. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't mentally there for you, probably. Mm -mm. Not at that time, no. So I just felt like, you know, my dad's not around. I didn't know where he was at the time. And my mom, I knew I could have lost her. And I remember me being so scared and upset every night thinking like, you know, if I lose both of my parents, what's going to happen to me? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you have friends that you confided in? Did you were you able to talk to anybody? Do you remember having that best friend? I mean, I remember my eight, my my eight year old best friend. I had it was a hard relationship to understand. I did have best friends, but they were also sometimes my bullies. Mm. And that was all I had. I, I really didn't have a lot of friends. I was I lived in a small town, went to a small school. Um, I had my family sometimes, but really I, I couldn't explain to my family how I really felt as a child, you know? Right. And did you have siblings? Um, not at the time, no. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So you were all alone. Yeah. I mean, just absolutely nowhere to turn to nowhere to go. So I know you said you went through the, 
the mother, your mother's cancer, she got better. God bless her. That's mm -hmm. amazing and awesome. Was it yeah. a long, was it a long struggle or pretty couple? No, I think it was like about two or three years and she, she was good. She was good. So you say, you say, no, it wasn't long, two or three years. So eight, nine, 10, some of your most formative years of your life. Yeah. You know, well, I guess it went by really quick. It went, it went by quick. It pro probably went by a, like a whirlwind, honestly. Yeah. Just a whole bunch of chaos and really no structure, no anything, probably just kind of going through the motions. Right, right. Yeah. So tell me, it says you went through, unfortunately, I don't know if you want to talk about it, but it says you did go through a suicidal period in your life. Was that younger or into your teen years? Uh, it actually happened at two different points. And one of them, I was about 12, 13 years old the first time. Uh, the second time I was about 16, 17 when it happened. But um, 12 and 13, the first time it happened, my mom was declared cancer free at that point, but we had to move because um, she was still dealing with some after effects. And so we had to move in with my my meme because she was still trying to recover from cancer. She couldn't work as much. She didn't have as much money to survive with us on her own. So I moved to a different school. I ended up hating it, absolutely hating it. And people were even worse to me there. My peers were even more bullies to me. Um, and so I think I was also processing everything that had happened from when I was eight years old and I was basically all by myself. So I, I developed severe depression. I was suicidal every single Hold on day. One second. I'm sorry. Oh, no worries. <laughs> sorry about that. My dog. Dogs. <laughs> I heard them. <laughs> No worries. But um, yeah, so I, I was incredibly suicidal every single day. I wanted to die. I just laid in bed catatonic every single day. I would think about walking out into traffic and just ending my life. Like it was it was really bad. Did you get help at this point or were you on? I mean, you were young the first time, especially. My mom tried taking me to a therapist. Um, I struggled with that. It's a long story, but essentially what I wrote on the intake form was I wanted to die. And I actually just recently had a conversation with my mom about this and she had saw what I read and apparently she had a one-to-one -one with my therapist and the therapist I was seeing, she apparently didn't want to take what I wrote down seriously. And she had told my mom that, oh, a lot of kids just say that for attention. It's probably nothing. And my mom apparently was like, no, this is serious. She's never said something like this before. We need to take this seriously. And I remember on the car ride home after that, my mom, my mom got upset with me and she meant it out of love and care, but I took it as like I was a burden to her, but she, mm -hmm was crying and upset and she was questioning why I wanted to end my life and you know what did she do to make me feel that way and um to me when she was expressing that I was just I felt more and more like a burden and it made me want to die more and it also made me shut down in other therapy sessions because I knew she was going to be told everything that I was saying because I was a child so I couldn't really express how I felt because I knew it was going to hurt her even more so every session I had after that, I just shut up. I didn't say anything. 
No, you just gave them what they needed to hear, what they thought, what you thought they wanted to hear to make it look like you were fine. And yeah. Yep. And I'm sure that went right into your adult life. How are you doing? Fine. Big smile on your face. Fine. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm, Seems seems to be what we do. I mean, and that's just, you know, I look at it now and I say, wow, what a better world we're in. You know, I, I always, I, I joke all the time and be like, I'd be, I would have been healed 20 years sooner if we had Google when I was suicidal. (laughs) Like we didn't, you know, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have resources. We didn't have places to go. And, um, my mother was a child psychiatrist. So Mm -hmm. you would think if I could have gone to anybody and wanted saying, I wanted to end my life, it would have been my mother. And that was the absolute last place I was going to go. Right. So, well, I'm, I'm glad it worked out. I mean, so you had another bout at 16 then. Yep. I had, transferred schools again I moved quite a bit and um I think this time it was induced I started taking like birth control pills Mm -hmm. and I was incredibly suicidal taking birth control pills and I remember when I took the sugar pills I was really happy Mm. and I was on my period at that point and I was like why am I happy on my period and then once it ends and I'm back on the hormonal pills I feel like I want to die again Mm. Um, But at that point, too, there was also still some of that residual trauma I had not worked through. I hadn't been going to therapy yet at that point. So, okay, so fast forward now. (laughs) What I'm just like processing all this, but tell me about people (laughs) that are out there. I know for the people that are out there. I mean, I I feel like people that are on this have gone through so many of the same things. And I you know, my life spins through my head as you're talking and it's like, Oh, what would I have done? And what could I have done? And, and it's, you're just lost at that time. You're lost mm-hmm. during that thing. And that's part of the reason that I have changed my mission is to help people to let them know that there is help. I mean, literally that there are resources that you're not alone. Uh, I remember sitting in a, in an auditorium one time and I was talking to a group of students and I looked around and I was like, guys, look to your left, look to your right, look to your back, look to your front. I can 100% almost guarantee you that three of those four people, or at least two of those four people know what you're going through. Mm -hmm. Like they've been there, but there's still so much of that stigma and that shame. And, you know, I mean, you, you maybe could have gone to a counselor at that age and said, you know, my mom's got cancer, my mom's dying. And they might've helped you work through that Mm -hmm. with maybe a different angle than my dad's an alcoholic or my dad's a drug abuser. You know, I don't know whether it was drugs or alcohol but there was so much of that shame. So it, it literally, it keeps people quiet. It's, it's like, I joke and say, yeah, COVID, we had masks, but I'll tell you what, I wore a mask my whole life. Yeah. COVID was just a physical mask instead of a theoretical mask. You said it. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, but, um, so tell us about your moment where all of a sudden you were like, bam, done over this going to get help. I need, I need to do something. Yeah, it was when I turned 18, that was when I started going to counseling because I knew I didn't need a parent and nobody would be able to listen to what I was saying. And that was really my time to open up with an unbiased person. So my first therapist, I did like her, but um, she actually traumatized me at one point and ruined a lot of my future therapy appointments. Um, she had laughed at me once in a session when I was crying and that was my first time crying. 
that was my first time ever crying to a therapist, somebody that I trusted in therapy. And she laughed at me like, like really hard laughed at me. And I looked at her and I remember I was just, you know, wiping my tears away. And I was looking at her like, why is she laughing? Isn't she supposed to, you know, be there for me? And she said, oh, the way you said that, it just, it reminded me of something and it made me laugh. And I remember I was just looking at her like, seriously? Mm. And ever since that moment, I have not been able to cry in therapy with anybody. But I was able to start working through some of the deeper things that I went through as a child, at least. So I just, I couldn't cry about it. So um, you can come cry with me anytime. <laughs> I'll let you cry right now. I don't even care. Let it go, girl. Rip it. I don't think I have to cry right now. I think no. I'm good. Okay. But-, <laughs> <laughs> but if you feel the need, that's what, you know, we, unbelievable that after growing up in a whole life of sheltered and being shut up and, and not being able to voice and, I I mean, that just kind of turns my stomach a little bit. I remember, you know, and I have nothing against therapy. I think it's amazing. But I remember the first time I went and they said to me, well, how does that make you feel? And I was like, (laughs) I was like, feel like, what do you mean feel like, what does that mean? She's like, are you happy? Are you sad? I'm like, I don't feel anything. I'm completely, I I don't even know what that means. You know? So she's like, okay, we got some work to do. Let's go all the way back. And the word feel, let's look it up, you know, like emotions, but to, to be stifled again, once you realized you even need the help, I feel like that's one of the, probably one of the most traumatic things you went through. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been going for the past 10 years and I'm telling you, I have not cried in any other session since then. And it's really hard. That's something I'm working through a lot this year, being able to cry and allow myself to be vulnerable. I can talk about my past, no problem. I've really worked through a lot of those things, but um, just allowing myself to be vulnerable. I have not had a lot of people in my life where I could have been vulnerable. And so I'm trying to unlearn that it is okay to be vulnerable and accept that some people are still not going to make you feel good, even if you are vulnerable and you have to continue to show up and allow yourself to be vulnerable instead of shutting down. Absolutely. And just, you know, you need to get in touch with that inside person, that, that little you that was hurt and scared and lonely and afraid and abandoned. And you need to start living life through that person because you right now you're that stifled person. You're that right. stifled little child. So you need like a good dose of some inner child work and writing your little self some letters and like, I mean, because I never cried. I never felt emotion. I didn't, you know, I I cried out of pain, but Mm -hmm. I never cried from an, a physical, an emotional pain until, until I was probably 26 and boy, now it's like, I have absolutely no problem laying in bed and sobbing all night long if I need, Right. (laughs) you know, that's, that's what we do. We're human, you know? Right. So that's why we have two tear ducts in both eyes. In case, case you one out. So. It's been really good this year. I've been able to cry a lot more like freely and more comfortably, but it's, it's something that definitely affected that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now talk about, you made a comment and I, I'm very big believer in this and that you said, um, I feel like people lose their identity. Like I go to schools and speak to children because I feel like they need to be given back a sense of identity. Talk about what that means to you. Lose your identity. Um, If you said identity, I think you mentioned identity crisis. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry. Um, So having an identity crisis, like what makes me happy? 
who do I want to be? Who, what do I like? What do I not like? Um, I feel like I didn't develop that because I was so focused at such a young age on other people and taking care of them and making sure they had what was best for them that I didn't even think about myself. And so a lot of the times I kind of would just go with the flow and I would have family members tell me, well, you should do this, you know, you should go to college and you'll get a good job and you're going to get married and have kids and you're going to be happy and that's going to be everything you want. And I started down that road a little bit, but last year I kind of put a stop to that and had a quarter life crisis. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm not happy with this and I need to figure out what makes me happy. But, you know, growing up, that was something that I, I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know who I wanted to be. Amen. And just the fact that you said people were saying, you're going to have everything you want. Like, we're going to help you get everything you want. And it's right. like, wow, that's like the epitome of codependent on people all around you for your own happiness or, or even knowing what your happiness is. You probably right. didn't even know. You mm -hmm. probably, mm -mm. Nope. So talk about some of the, I know you've been to therapy, but have you used other, what I call modalities or, or, or things, things that you've tried? Have you tried anything else in this healing journey? Like other types of therapy like, work or? Yeah. Like a lot of people, like I'll work with some of my clients on inner child work or, you know, tapping EFT tapping, just really getting to the, you know, that, that subconscious programming. I mean, you, you were so abandoned. Even if your mom was there and your father was there, like emotionally, you were just abandoned. And that yeah. it does a lot of, like you said, the identity crisis. A lot of that is the fact that you were just so pre-programmed. I mean, you were just reprogrammed, I guess, to just believe that you weren't seen. You didn't need to be heard. You were just invisible. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just was wondering, you know, what, if you've done anything else like that, because I, I hear a lot of people say, oh yeah, I went through like six years of inner child work, or I did shadow work, mm. or I, you know, I didn't, I just, or has it all been talk therapy? Has that been your main avenue? It, it's hard to say. I've had maybe about five or six different therapists in the past 10 years, and they've all been a little bit different in how mm -hmm. they work. Um, some of them were more talk therapy, but some of them also did the, you know, the inner child work. Some of them did the shadow work. I even tried cognitive behavioral, mm -hmm. uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, um, for at one point. Mm -hmm. And, um, they've all been very helpful because they all have different ways of kind of going back and really helping me realize why I was the way I was because, a lot of my healing journey was I had all these self-limiting beliefs about myself. Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm stupid. I'm ugly. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. And really they had to have me unpack a lot of why I believed those things and where it came from. And once I started doing all of that, I started to feel more compassion for myself and more understanding. Like, you know, I, I'm not these things. This is why I believe in those things, but I don't have to believe in those things anymore because I'm not that person. Amen. I've just been led to believe that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. I always say that we're born a divine, perfect, beautiful, pure, innocent child. And then life happens. Oh yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden we don't feel so divine, perfect, beautiful, innocent, you know, yeah. it's, it's yeah. And, and absolutely. But I mean, you're doing well, you've got your own business, you're that's amazing. Tell us about what you do. Absolutely. So I do um, mental health coaching and speaking right now. 
And I also have a workshop that I just created and I'm going to be launching soon, which I'm super, super excited about. Um, but you know, it's, it's been a long journey. I know I'm not alone and maybe my story is very specific to me, but I know a lot of other people have gone through their own journeys and feel lost and feel like that they don't know where to go and they don't know how to become a person that they want to be. So really just unpacking all of that and understanding that you can create any life for yourself that you want. You just have to put in the work. Oh, absolutely. And it's not easy. I said, healing is never an easy journey, but oh, is it ever worth it? <laughs> right? right. So worth it. Yeah. So worth it. So that's great. So you're starting a workshop. Would you, when's that? Or are you have an anticipation date on that or? Uh, not as of yet. I'm still trying to I have to build some things around it before I can launch a date. <laughs> Just do it. The world needs it, girl. The world needs it. I know. It. I know. Yeah, absolutely. It'll so, be soon. I, oh, yeah. No, and we'll put all your links and everything in there and you can people can follow along with you. I mean, you've had a tumultuous journey and it's super exciting to see people on the other side that have come out that had that, you know, I, I think the key is awareness. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't know what you don't know. Um, people... Nobody told me, you know, I found out when I was 26 years old, ready to have my first child that I didn't understand unconditional love. And yeah. then I started going, huh, wonder what else I don't understand. I wonder what else I'm going to find out through this journey. And it's absolutely amazing what the human brain can, can handle. And also how good it is at selecting what it doesn't want to handle at the time. Right. So, you know, for you to stand here and give people permission to go handle that stuff and give them the grace to know that they're worthy enough to go handle that stuff. Absolutely. It's, that's what it's really all about. It's, you know, we, we all go through crap. <laughs> we, all, yeah. we all go through things, but they don't define us unless we let them. Right. Yeah. You know, if life we, is simply too short to ruminate on all of the negative that you've gone through, I mean, you, you can get over. It. I know it's hard to see when you're stuck, but life is too damn short to continue being like, I'm miserable. I'm depressed. I'm sad. I'll, I'll never get better. It's, it, it, it's no way to live. Right. So if you could come up with like five words, like how would you describe yourself before your healing journey started? And how would you describe yourself now? Like just a couple words. Gosh, like <laughs> insecure. Mm -hmm. uh depressed mm -hmm. what's this word i can't think of the word right now um <laughs> uh, pessimistic okay like no uh, mm -hmm. yep uh lonely and hmm, fifth word i'm sure there's one there hopeless we'll say hopeless okay so those were how long ago and then look at you now yeah Total 360. I never thought I would see this day. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love it. I mean, and those words can go on and on for everybody out there listening. It could be unlovable, unworthy. Um, you know, I, I joke and say, you got the not enoughs. You know, I'm not good enough, pretty enough, smart enough, funny enough, happy enough, you know, helpful enough, worthy, enough, whatever it is, it's the not enoughs. And we right. don't, we, we, we got to get rid of them, mm -hmm. you know, through whatever we got to do. So you're standing here smiling and i absolutely love it absolutely love it thank you so, so much you're welcome it's good to say, yeah I, I just love it and and that you're changing lives i mean mm -hmm. that's really you know i always say there's not a there's not a test or a testimony without a test so you know you can take what was thrown at you and you can be the victim 
Mm-hmm. Or you can take what was thrown at you and you can make it your superpowers. Right. You know, you know, reframe it in a different way. People used to say to me, you know, how did growing up in a manipulative, toxic, narcissistic, crazy, alcoholic, like how did that make you a better person? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I have one, I have a lot of gratitude. I have a lot of gratitude for what I have. I have a lot of compassion and empathy because yes, it was horrible, but my parents were fighting their own demons, demons right. that they didn't ask for, that they didn't control. And I'm like, and it made me a damn good salesman because I was so manipulative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, you know, take your punches and turn them into your superpowers. Absolutely. You know? Oh, wow. Absolutely. Well, I love talking to you. I could talk to you all the, all day long. All right, let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we'll, we'll jump off here in a minute. But so tell people if they want to work with you, what is the quickest, best way to get to you? Honestly, Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok, Destiny Mackey Official, it's all the same. Um, you can also reach me at my email, destiny at destinymackey.com. Okay. And we will definitely look forward to your workshop that you're going to be put on. on. We'll make sure everybody gets that. And I absolutely love what you're doing. I appreciate it. I think you will be just another voice to change the world. So before we leave, I'm going to ask you. That's the plan. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Before, before we leave today. Okay. Let's reword that. Um, one question, if you, you have a lot of listeners out there that went through a lot of the similar things, you know, it's sad to think, I mean, suicide rates are off the chart right now. There are so many people feeling those five things that you thought about the hopelessness, the, the sad, the depressed, the lonely, the anxious, whatever those words are, Mm -hmm. um, what is one word of advice or just a a short words of wisdom that you could give them? Mm. Um, I think the biggest thing, biggest message I try to send is no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've experienced, no matter what you're currently dealing with, there is an out. And I know you can't see it. And it's hard to see when you're clouded in the negative emotions and the misery and the sadness and the anger, but there is an out. And as long as you believe there is an out, you will find a way out. Amen. Mm-hmm. So it's belief in yourself, just belief that you're worthy and that you can do it. Absolutely. There is something good on the other side, whether you can see it or not. It is there. Just keep going. Perfect. Very well said. Well, thank you, Destiny, so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. I had a fun time. Oh, yeah. And I'll (laughs) I'll have you back on because I feel like there's so much more we could talk about. We could pick apart every little thing that happened with you because so many people are going through that stuff. But yes. For everybody else out there listening, that right there, that's Destiny. I mean, that's trials, tribulations, sadness, heartache to someone that is thriving and has a heart of gold and a smile bigger than life. So thank you. You all have a blessed day. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining me today on the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast. If this episode resonated with you or you think someone else could benefit from what you heard, why not share it with someone you care about? Let's heal from our past and take back control of our lives together. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to www.tammyvincent.com for a free chapter of my book, Surviving Alcoholic Parents. While you're there, be sure to catch my invigorating seminar, Awakening Your Authentic Self. Together, we will rewrite our stories and turn trials into triumphant smiles. 
Until next time, keep embracing your strength, keep being you, and know that you are more than enough. You are way more than enough right here, right now.